You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back, and with big news, not only will we be reacting to the college football playoff rankings, we also got to react to the big news of the day, Kyle McCord has entered the transfer portal, and this is right around the time where we found out that Ohio State will also be playing Missouri in one of the bowls. I will not even learn the bowl names this year because they're stupid, but getting to the big news of the day, Kyle McCord. Not, It's not we're breaking up with you, Kyle McCord. It's I'm breaking up with you. The classic case of you know you're going to get broke up on, so you do the leaving first. Well done. That's how you teach the hotter ex, Kyle McCord, when the hotter person in the relationship is done with you, you don't wait. You don't wait for, for bitter booty. You don't wait for pity sex. No, 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 no. You launch right into those transfer portals on social media apps, and you are on to your next piece of pie. Well done, sir. That's how we do it, Spencer German. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely kind of feels like he he pulled the, the carpet off underneath them before they could do it to him. But I, I know Ryan Day said yesterday, because – he had his annual, you know, post college playoff rankings press conference, and hey, we're going to the peach or no, they're going to the uh, the Cotton Bowl. Like, oh yeah, okay. Um, here's what we think about it. Here's what we think about the playoff. All these different things. Um, and he mentioned specifically that they were going to start having conversations with guys like that afternoon after they got done with the press conference. And so I'm imagining that maybe they told Kyle McCord like, hey. Bowl game, we're going to try to try some other guys, give some other guys a look, and maybe Kyle kind of knew the writing was on the wall anyway, and it kind of transpired that way. I, it, it's it's hard because the national perspective on McCord is going to be what we're seeing on social media, Nick, which is the guy threw for over 3,000 yards and 24 touchdowns and only had four interceptions. How could they possibly do this? Like, oh, the, the, the horror of Ohio State forcing this guy out. But the guy's like, we're an Ohio state podcast. Like we, I think understand the pulse on this fan base and we understand like that wasn't good enough. Like all due respect to Kyle McCord. I think he's probably, he, he seems like a really good kid. I think he, I don't think he purposely went out and tried to like suck. Like I think he was trying his damnedest. I think he was obviously playing. He, he had some moments that I think will, will live on and that we'll be able to look back on and say, Hey, that, that those are cool. That was great. Um, I think the Notre Dame game stands out. If he had pulled off a, a uh, comeback uh, against Michigan two weeks ago. Uh, I think that would have been another one, but he didn't, he wasn't good enough for a program that has the standard that Ohio state has. And it's unfortunate that he had to come after the litany of quarterbacks that you had before him, where you got J I'll even go back as far as saying JT Barrett, who's an Ohio state legend for everything that he accomplished here. But like you got JT Barrett, you got Justin Fields, you got Dwayne Haskins, you got uh, C.J. Stroud. Like they, th these were guys who were setting Big Ten records, Ohio State records, and it just wasn't good enough to get you to the finish line and, and get your ultimate goal, which was beating Michigan and making the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think this was really a surprise, even though the national perspective on it is like, oh, how, a power five program that's always in the conversation for a championship is losing its quarterback. Guys, It's it, this was expected. I, I think if, if it didn't happen – it would have said more about Ryan Day maybe misreading the situation. So clearly I think the best part of this is that it seems like he had a good read on what the sort of his 
the the outlook for this team was moving forward if they continued with Kyle McCord. Yeah, I just think like that whole outrage, the outrage machine in college football, and we'll get more onto this when we talk about the the playoff rankings and and you know the the finality of the playoff seating here in a couple moments. But like by by and large, the, there's just a bunch of stupid outrage from college football <laughs> analysts, and it's so funny because they're thought to be the most rational. But like guys, it's not insane. You know, it's really not insane that you look at what Kyle McCord actually did on the football field and said, well, I don't care how much we beat Rutgers by. I don't care how much you beat Minnesota by or any of these other teams. And I think when you start to get like, all right, like, I'll be honest with you. I do think Ryan Day struggled with his handling of Kyle McCord. And I think the reason why he struggled is he didn't trust the kid. So if I'm if I'm looking at from Ryan Day's angle, he could be the nicest kid in the world. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is the reason he's here, right? Because they were a package deal coming out of high school. And so Marvin Harrison is going off to the NFL. Um, we didn't see enough growth. And like maybe the the injuries, you know, he was pretty banged up by the end of it. Maybe the injuries hinder it, but like guys, the injuries don't affect your processing ability unless you have some sort of concussion issue. So I, I just think I think it's false outrage. Now, I think what's interesting is you've got USC, you've got Oregon, now Ohio State. There are plenty of top-tier blue blood programs who have and will be going into the portal for their next quarterback. And I think that means, like, assuming that Kyle's really gone here, get ready for a pretty emotionally turbulent couple weeks here because there's some great names in the portal but every time you lose one of those guys or every time one of those guys goes elsewhere you're going to start to feel that heat of well who's going to start next year but I I, before we get to that I do want to say like I don't think either Ryan Day or Kyle McCord deserves any sort of blame here for this kid going to the portal honestly if it's if it's because Ohio State told him hey just so you know we're going to make you either work for the job or we're going to outright replace you. Um, that's transparency that doesn't happen in college football. And if it's him saying, I'm reading the tea leaves here and I'm feeling frozen out or whatever, then the kid's just doing what's best. Like this is guys, you don't have to like it, but this is college football, big business in 2023. And I actually commend both McCord and, or the Buckeyes, whoever's actually doing the right thing. If it's not both, for doing the right thing. He 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 did not deserve a second year unequivocally with no competition, with no, you know, like uh, like this is what should happen because ultimately you saw in the Michigan game and even the Penn State game, man, he's too rough around the edges and you can't forecast this huge jump into year two. You know, I got I got a lot of people saying that, and and obviously we've talked about it. Like it's it's on day. This was his handpicked quarterback. All these different things, and and that's one hundred percent right. And but I had somebody somebody said something to me on social media about like, isn't it on day to be some quarterback develop like this 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 massive quarterback developer and get the most out of these guys? And I think that that's true. And I've generally given him the benefit of the doubt on that. But I don't hear anybody also wondering or asking like. Maybe he did get the most out of Kyle McCord. Like that, that's kind of my thing is I'm not saying Ryan Day is um, exonerated from any blame in how this season played out, but to just simply say like, and and look, if you want to blame him because the Quinn Ewer situation transpired the way it did, him coming to school a year early probably ruined 
the chance of him staying at Ohio State, and that's why he's at Texas now and all these different things. And so Kyle McCord wasn't technically the heir – wasn't going to be the heir apparent to C.J. Stroud in theory, and so it didn't work out. So if, if you want to blame him for the fact that this is the quarterback he ended up with and he thought this was going to be good enough, fine, you can do that. But at the same time, like those who were saying like, well, Ryan Day should have gotten more out of him. Like this is a failure on his part. Guys, I, I wonder if he got the maximum most that you're ever going to get out of Kyle McCord. Like is he if he goes to West Virginia next year or he goes to Pitt next year or wherever he ends up, like are we going to see him put up the same numbers with a weaker receiving group on his team and a coach that doesn't maybe have the the savviness of Ryan Day? At least I think Ryan Day has some savviness. There's questions there. I get it. Like there's some things he's, he's messed up as a head coach. Um, but I, I don't know, like situationally. Um, but like that's that's kind of my thought process is I think it just ran its course. I, I really do. Like I, I think he gave it a try with Kyle McCord. He wanted to see if he could get the most out of him, and if and with and, and if maybe the talent around him would raise his level of play to a point where we could get through the Big Ten, get to a Big Ten championship, and then on the other side see what we can do in a college football playoff game. And it just it just wasn't enough. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. Where I'm not quite as I still believe that Ryan Day is a good quarterback developing coach, and we've seen him do it with others. I think the fact that he's no stranger to using the portal um, to get a good quarterback because they did the exact same thing with Justin Fields, and Justin Fields is one of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say it can't be done again, um, and that he's just not he's an idiot now when it comes to developing quarterbacks because it didn't work out with Kyle McCord. So I, I've kind of taken the, a different approach to that. Yeah, I mean, if I hadn't seen uh, Ryan Day get what he got out of Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud previously. And, by the way, as the offensive play caller, get what he got out of Dwayne Haskins. Um, maybe I'd be more in, inclined to panic. Yeah. This is, you know, he's been about 75% right now, about 750 with quarterback. So I, I guess in this case, we do have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I think what's interesting is kind of what you just said there, which is, well, if he goes to – you know, Pitt, or if he goes to uh, West Virginia, I think what's interesting is just to see how other blue blood programs are going to treat him, right? Yeah. Like, think about it. I mean, like uh, DJ Uyunglele failed out of Clemson, still ended up with a pretty good uh, gig going to Oregon State uh, with Jonathan Smith. He's back in the portal, by the way, since Smith went to Michigan State. But like, Lincoln Riley's looking for a quarterback. Um, Oregon's going to be looking for a quarterback. You wonder, are those quarterbacks going to look at Kyle McCord for what he did statistically? Are they going to look at him and say, well, okay, he wasn't what they needed last year, but man, another year, we've got similar weapons. We think we have our own Marvin Harrison Jr., which is a stupid thought to have. We, we think <laughs> we have our own Ibuka, and more importantly, we've got a good offensive line coming back. Maybe let's bring him in here and see what we can do. I I don't, I personally look at him. I'm like, oh man, it's a great quarterback for Pitt. I look at Kyle McCord. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'll tell you if North Carolina um, didn't take Max Johnson already, great eight, nine, 10 win ACC team, NC State, great 10 win ACC team. But I don't know how the rest of the Blue Bloods are going to look. And I think that's really fascinating. The idea that he could end up at Oklahoma, who Dylan Gabriel just went to the, the portal, or Oregon. And all of a sudden, like a year from now, the, the narrative could be how could McCord or how could Ryan Day let Kyle McCord get away? Yeah. It, it could easily be, did you see that dude won 11 games with that jabroni at quarterback? Because he went to USC and won seven games. You know what I mean? 
you know uh you know what this is going to be like right it's it's going to be and you we know this very well being in northeast ohio it's going to be do the it. Baker Mayfield conversation again. That's exactly what it, you know. I, you're disappointed. I see the look on your face, but you know that's what it's going to be. Every time he has like a good game, half the fan base that maybe still was in, if, if there's any, if there's half the fan base that's still in Kyle Court's corner and they're like, well, this is totally unfair, they're going to be the ones who are the loudest. Like, oh, did you see Kyle Court put up 400 yards against, uh, against, uh, Eastern Illinois? Yeah. Yeah. Like whoever. Yeah. <laughs> Coastal Carolina or something the other that's not fair to Coastal Carolina they've been pretty they've had a pretty Akron no, that's not very nice either there are brethren down the street uh but, okay but it, it is accurate about Akron <laughs> no offense I'm sure coach Moorhead's gonna have them going in year three but they have been booty cheeks um I, I I should be nice I work there so that's not fair I'll say Kent instead forget that I won't anyways be nice. <laughs> um but yeah like yeah it's gonna be that and then when he's when he's when he's bad if he has a bad game, the other side's going to be like, this is why they moved on from Kyle McCord. But really, the the best, the, the easiest way to to have to, to eliminate that conversation entirely is just for Ryan Day and company to choose the right successor to Kyle McCord in the transfer portal. And we, the sort of tongue-in-cheek, it wasn't really tongue-in-cheek, but the, the fun conversation we had last episode where we were prognosticating like, oh, which – Transfer portal quarterback, would you potentially want? We both said we really like Michael Pratt. You brought up DJ Uyungle. There's some other names out there that we sort of threw out. That list has now gotten larger. I know I saw uh, Brandon Innes. He tweeted a video of uh, Dante Moore, who was the UCLA quarterback this past year, who was a five-star recruit, their highest recruit ever. He entered the transfer portal over the weekend. And he tweeted out a video of Moore throwing him a touchdown pass in the East-West Shrine game, or whatever the hell it's called, the the high school all-star game they do last year, and said, oh, man, good times. And so now everyone's thinking, like, oh, they're going to go get Dante Moore. So there's all these different options, and it's all about Ohio State choosing the right guy to now come in and replace McCord. And if they do that, then nobody's going to be worried about what Kyle McCord's doing at wherever Michigan state or Iowa or Pitt or West Virginia, who, wherever the hell he ends up. So here's what I'll say. I think it's going to be a really fascinating quarterback here simply because so many blue bloods need a quarterback. I, you know, Matt rule throughout the, well, to get a good, to get a great starting quarterback, you need one, $1.5, million. This might be the year where there's, more great teams looking for great quarterbacks than there are great quarterbacks entering the portal. And I think you could see this. Like, I think one of the cautionary tales of this, if you're Ohio state is like, what if you have to go to like three, four, $5 million? I mean, Ohio state's been very open and, and, you know, teary eyed about their NIL was behind a lot of the other big programs in college football. I don't, I'm assuming that's still the case. I don't know, but like, uh, Dante, by the way, I love the Dante Moore idea. I love Cam Ward out of Washington State. Oh, yeah. DJ, DJ, you, as we've talked about, there are some really in- intriguing talents, but like, is it going to cost you more than just a quarterback? Might it also cost you another player? It, right? Like, if, is it going to cost you a quarterback plus a left tackle if all of a sudden these quarterback price tags balloon to three or four million dollars? Yeah, it's a good point, and I know out of the gate, it sounds like Ohio State maybe wasn't as up to speed with the NIL stuff. I think over the last year, you've heard positive commentary just from people who have been on, you know, 
shows locally that we've heard or whatever who have said they started to ramp that up a little bit. And I think that's important. Like I, anybody who isn't embracing this change, like I understand, like you get these stories. I brought up Brandon Innes. There was a story written about him last year or the, within this year about how, oh, he turned down a big NIL deal from another school to go to Ohio State because he wants to be developed. And I think those those stories will still come out. Like there will still be instances where a guy's like, hey, you know what? I really want to go play for Brian Hartline because that guy's pumping out the best wide receiver recruits in the country. So if it means I'm making less money doing it, I'm okay doing that. The, Ohio State has built that reputation where they have – they now get – they'll get people for both reasons. They'll get people because they want the NIL money, but they'll also get people because, well, I think this is a good place for me to be developed. I get national televised games. Look at the look, just look at the NFL and see all the Ohio State guys that are on your screens on Sunday that are thriving at that level. Like the the, the proof is in the pudding. So they have the luxury of having those guys still come, but you have to be able to embrace the NIL stuff, or you're just going to flatly miss out on guys. So um, you're right. Like you wonder where the money kind of adds up and where it all sort of falls. But you're right. There's there's a ton of different quarterback options out there. I think the other part of this conversation, Nick, because McCord is going to overshadow what has been a an eventful couple of days for Ohio State in general with the transfer portal because they've had a number of players who have kind of gone in, in uh, on top of McCord. I know Evan Pryor, who was, a, mm-hmm. who was a big running back recruit in the class of uh, 2021, he entered the portal. Now you kind of understand from his perspective, writing is probably on the wall for him. I don't know if Henderson's coming back. But if he does, like that's going to be your top back. Obviously, Chip Trainum's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of carries. Maya Williams, like he's just kind of low on the depth chart, so his kind of makes some sense. Um, you had an entire year's worth of basically secondary recruits who left. Uh, Kai Stokes was kind of a surprising one. He declared, I think, late Sunday. Uh, Jair Brown, who actually got a lot of he got a decent amount of snaps for being in his first year at Ohio state and was kind of like the next in line to, to be a starter on this team. He entered the portal. So there's a number of guys over the last couple of days that have entered. And and I guess my question in this is yes, the McCord one probably more expected from the fan base and people are now prognosticating and thinking through like, who's the, who's the option to replace him. And that's probably the most important move that's looming for them. But should it be like, is it worrisome? that Ohio State's losing some guys to the portal? Because you don't usually see this for Ohio State. But at the same time, it's kind of the nature of the beast at this point in college football. So I think the reason you're seeing them when you're seeing them is the fact they're not in the playoffs. Um, I, I think I think we've been able to, to separate the Michigan panic from the portal exodus every year because guys aren't usually truly leaving until after your team's out of the playoffs. So – I think it's a little close to the window. I honestly, and this is not any disrespect to any one of those players because they're all dudes who came here four star, five star, you know, three stars, like really well heralded players. I would say this I don't sweat about losing guys to the portal anymore. Like now, in fairness, if five more dudes went to the portal today, well, hell, 10 guys in the portal, that's what one eighth of the guys you, you, you send out on the road. That's a significant amount of your time. But because of where Ohio State is, the ability to reload, the ability to go back yeah. into the portal and basically call their shot, I'm not really that concerned yeah. about it. Are you? Uh, my So I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, There's people who are, I think, trying to spin the narrative that – Oh well, this is this is alarming. This is unlike Ohio State. Like, what's going on down there? And they're almost treating it as like this is a 
the sky is falling. Oh man, Ohio State's at a crossroads. The program could be crumbling beneath them moment. And I'm like, guys, I just don't see it that way. It, like this just feels like college football in 2023, almost 2024 at this point. Like ever since the NCAA kind of had to lax their whole, well, if you transfer, you have to sit out a year requirement. This has been the way it is. Like you see, and, and it's it's not like it's only happening to Ohio State. I mean, we brought up Justin Fields. Justin Fields was a Georgia kid that tra- that was a Georgia player that transferred to Ohio State. Like the all these programs are losing kids to the transfer portal on a yearly basis. So I'm not going to sit here and like lose my mind and think like, oh, Ohio State just can't recruit like they used to, can't keep guys like they used to. This is just how it is, and and I think it's more so the 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 bigger issue for me for Ohio State is. If five years from now, they're still not caught up to the times of NIL and adjusting to the transfer portal. Like there's some teams like Dabo, for example. Dabo acts like the transfer portal is like signing a, a one-way ticket to hell. Like he's like, oh, no, we're we're not going to use the transfer portal. That's not our way. We don't do that here. We're going to stay away from it. Like he swears I, I, it off. You know why? I believe in the Bible, Corinthians 2.14 says, (laughs) thou ought not use the transfer Transfer portal portal, and thou ought not covet other people's players. That's why. Clearly. You just got to read your Bible, Spencer. Yeah. You know, I I did. I I am a church boy. I grew up going to church all the time, but I guess I must have missed that. I missed that reading. Yeah. Yeah. They they never gave us a gospel on that one at church. So I don't know. The the Um, other Corinthians one always gets the love, but this is, (laughs) this is the one that applies to college football. Yeah. it gets put on the back burner, but yeah, I like there's certain programs that swear off the, the transfer portal. And I think flatly, like you just can't. And I do. And here's the thing. Here's the reason why I think it's going to be okay. Because yes, you're seeing all these names enter, but the fact that McCord also entered tells me that Ryan day isn't being stubborn here. It tells me that they kind of gotten the message across to Kyle McCord that he probably wasn't going to be the starter next year. And so they're already embracing the idea that they're going to have to use the portal to find a quarterback for next season. And I think that means they'll also use it to address some of these other needs that they're now going to have as well. So I can't sit here and say and act outraged and, oh, man, it's a tipping point for the, for Ohio State. This could be the beginning of the end for them. They're going to become Texas the last decade where just they're, they're treading water and not very good, but they're still a big brand. I, I don't believe that for a second. Like, they're going to be fine, guys. All right, guys, we do have plenty more to react to on this. Of course, Sons of the Shoe podcast. Make sure to follow, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate your patronage. Now, we, we got to react to the college football playoffs being set, mm. some of the outrage on that. But one national recruiting analyst has two names to watch for the Ohio State starting quarterback job. We'll get to those next right here on Sons of the Shoe with Nick and Spencer. Welcome back to Sons of the Shoe, Nick and Spencer with you. And we are going to get to the playoff rankings here in a few moments. Ohio State did not play this weekend, and yet they fell in the rankings, which I find to be approximately horseshit. <laughs> I, I should not I should not have started the segment with that. Cursing's bad, kids. Don't do it. But, uh, Cooper Patanga. Poor These Patanga. rankings are horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want salmon. 
I said it four times. I did not want to play Mizzou. I said it four times. And now we're gonna have to see Eli Drinkwitz nerd butt all over there. <laughs> did you, did, by the way, did you see his uh, his hit on ESPN after they like when they were interviewing people about like their bowls and all that? And he he hold picked on. up his phone and he was like, "Oh, uh, hold on, guys, I gotta take this call from Connor Stallions. <laughs> He's got some uh, Ohio State signs for me to share." I'm going to tell you right now, Eli Drinkwitz wears special Mormon underwear. He's not even Mormon, <laughs> but he just likes the idea. Now, I did want to get to uh, Cooper Patanga or Cooper Patagna. I don't know which one it is, but he is a recruiting analyst for 27, uh, 24-7 sports. And he was reacting to the uh, Kyle McCord news today. And he said, "Firm." and this is his Twitter, at CPatagna247, saying, firmly expect Buckeyes to be in the buyer's market at quarterback, which you and I both agree is going to be expensive. But he said, keep an eye on Cam Ward and Dante Moore. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you told me Cam Ward was the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes next year, that dovetails perfectly into one year of Cam Ward, then you get Air Nolan. And I would say, like, I would expect the Buckeyes – to have to beat Michigan next year, and I expect them to be in the playoffs with Cam Ward. And I'm talking about being like a top four seed, getting the buy and everything. But if you told me they got Dante Moore, I'll be honest with you, dude. I think they should be in the playoffs the next two or three years. To me, this is Dante Moore coming out of UCLA, transferring back home, whether it's Michigan State or Ohio State. I think has a real chance to 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 significantly disrupt the Big Ten. And maybe getting Dante would make you lose Air Noland. But I think, listen, not only is this kid a, a dual-threat quarterback who's got a hell of an arm and is incredibly electric on the ground, he also is, uh, is a Detroit kid. The recruitment with uh, Michigan ended very poorly, from what I've heard. My uh, my source is Keith Britton of ninety two three the fan fame, <laughs> aka the assassin. But he he doesn't think Michigan would go back to try and get Dante Moore. So it's equal parts. You get a kid that I think has the upside to win national titles with starting next year and year two in college football after an up and down year at UCLA. And man, you want to talk about striking back in the Michigan rivalry? This would piss yeah. off some Michigan fans. Well, hey, you'd instantly flip all the like, like this past year. What did we hear? The every every coming back from commercial. Oh, JJ McCarthy from Gus yep. JJ McCarthy, the Ohio State fan playing yep. for the Michigan Wolf. It, that was the whole thing. It, it was all that Ohio State missed out on this kid, and now he's beating up on you against your in your with your in your for your biggest rival. Like it would kind of be flipping the script in that way. I do love that idea. I, I I think the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is the fact that we do have some tape on Dante Moore that isn't pretty from UCLA. A lot of pick sixes in there, way more interceptions than touchdowns. But I think what's interesting is he kind of took a shot. Like he was interviewed about his, his transferring and his kind of parting shot at UCLA was that he wants to go somewhere where he feels like he can really develop as a quarterback. And so I think that kind of speaks more to he didn't feel like he was in a place that was really working with him to make him uh, a better quarterback and get him to that next level. And what did we just talk about that entire last segment with Ryan Day? That's supposed to be his bread and butter. His bread and butter is supposed to be developing quarterbacks and getting them to the NFL. His track record says he did it with Justin Fields. He did it with Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. He did it with C.J. Stroud. So he should be able to do it again with a guy that's this that's still raw 
but that has a boatload of talent. I mean, he is the biggest, he is the highest rated recruit in UCLA history. And I don't know what that means for like where he'd fit in Ohio State history because Ohio State probably has better better recruits than um, than uh, UCLA has ever had um, overall. But at the same time, like that that's pretty telling. It, it would be awesome from a story narrative standpoint with it being a kid from the Michigan and from Detroit. Um, but beyond that, like I think there's a lot of raw talent there to tap into. So I like either of those guys. I kind of lead Cam Ward just because I feel like you kind of know a little bit more of what you're getting. But if I'm going to sit here and say that I trust Ryan Day to get the most out of these these prospects and these players, then the idea of Cam Ward is dev- or sorry, the idea of Dante Moore rather is super super exciting to me. So I'm I'm right there with you. I like either of those. What I think is interesting is I think Dante Moore uh, is going to bring maybe certain kids along. Right, mm-hmm. like uh, some of the younger kids out there that might be in the portal that either played with him in like the All American game or other kids. Um, you mentioned Brandon Innish was was uh, you know uh, tweeted about playing in that game with him, and then I think Cam Ward. I think Cam Ward does the same thing, almost like with a bunch of the older guys saying, "Hey, that dude was dynamite at Washington State, and he didn't have the kind of talent that he would have uh, going to to Ohio State." Maybe we should try and chase a ring with him. So I, I think it's interesting. There are two very distinctly different paths, though, because yeah. of the collateral damage of bringing in a kid with you know three years, four years left of eligibility, and bringing in a guy with one. But man, I got to tell you, if either one of those guys ends up your quarterback, I think you're in the playoffs next year. Oh and, but, yeah. and that, which now feels like a, you're not saying anything. Yeah. But like I, I think I'm really excited. At the idea they could land either. Now, if they what if they, they land, um, I was trying to think who's in there. Hank Bachmeyer, eh, it's not going to move as much. <laughs> All right. If they land, um, Dylan Gabriel's pretty darn good. I was trying to think of the other kid that I saw on the portal that I was like, eh, that wouldn't really do a lot for me. But m- maybe even DJ U. I'd probably say there's a ceiling to what you can do, but Kim Warden and Dante Moore are significant. Now, we ben have. Finley from Cal doesn't do it for you. Oh. Wait, let me get my nipple clamps. Um, <laughs> let's let's get to the playoff rankings. It was announced last night, and I, I love how the whole playoffs, like leading up to it, you go, you know, twenty five all the way to ten, and then from you know, or sorry, to eleven, then ten to to six, and then you do you know five, four, whatever. Oh, they, last they, night, they they got me, they got yeah. me because I was on the air at ninety two three yesterday for the pregame show for the Browns. And we were kind of watching that in real time. And they gave you the first three. And then they threw the next one up there. And it was Georgia. And we didn't have the sound on. So we were all like in the studio like, oh, they kept Georgia in. And then it moved down to the six hole. And I was like, oh, never yep. mind. They got us yeah. on that one. <laughs> they broke, broke our ankles like Iverson. So one is Michigan. Two is Washington. Three is Texas. Four is Bama. And the first two out are Florida State and Georgia. May I, may I submit here? Washington should be the number one team in the nation. This is and and Washington has been disrespected all season long with where they've been placed. They were they were disrespected on Friday. How was yes. that spread nine and a half yep. in favor of Oregon? I understand that they maybe thought Oregon was playing better football at that point in the year and all, and they've gotten better as the season went on. I understand that, but nine and a half points to a team that already beats you this season, like maybe three and a half. I can understand yep. nine and a half. Are you yep. kidding me? And they responded the way they did all year, yeah. which is they went out and they got the dub. And so I, th- I think Washington should have been number one. I, th- I, I, I think maybe they dodged a bullet because I'd rather play Texas round one than I'd, I'd rather play Alabama. True. But like, 
I do think that was a little bit disrespectful. And I, like, I get it. The Pac-12 is going away. I get it. The Pac-12 for the last decade has been skunk butt. This year, the Pac-12 Nick, was legit. I saw people who were saying that if the goal is to put the best four teams in, Washington should be out because they played in the Pac-12. And I was like, do you even know anything about college football? Are you are you shitting me? The Pac-12 was maybe the best conference. Like, there's a case we made that it was the best conference in football this season because yep. of the gauntlet of quarterbacks that you had out there. The teams you had to – like, you, are we forgetting that UCF, USC had a bad year? Yes, overall from a record standpoint. But it was still Caleb Williams who was quarterbacking that team. Like, that was no easy game to win for both Oregon and Washington. And then you had Oregon and Washington head-to-head with each other. You had some other good – I mean, we just talked about Cam Ward being a transfer portal quarterback that puts you in the playoff picture if you're Ohio State. Like, you have him out there in the in the Pac-12. That, that Pac-12 was an absolute gauntlet this year. And so I can see where your argument is of putting him at one. But the idea that they should have left them out because they weren't one of the best four teams in the country, even though they're undefeated, was preposterous to me. And, and I'll be clear, too, before we get into the action, what it, what it was and whether or not they got it right, to me, my mindset with the playoffs since it was four teams has always been you have to put the best four teams in. I understand that it's not fair and it's it's not the who earned it type of thing. And I understand there, there's some there's some give there's some give and take with that because they've never two lost team in. And that kind of speaks to if you are a two loss team, we can't truly say that you're one of the best teams in the country when we have all these other one loss teams to choose from. So I get that. That's never been an issue to me. So even in a year where like last year Bama had two losses and there's people still saying like well, Bama should get in over Ohio State. They're still a better team than them. All these different things. Okay, you still have to earn it to an extent. But of the teams that were in your in your purview that were a deserving and were the best in the country, to me, it had to be Michigan, Washington, Georgia, and Alabama. Georgia hasn't lost a game in three years until this weekend. And you're telling me that you think because they lost by three points to Bama – that they should drop all the way to six and be left out of the playoff. Like, I, listen, I, I I understand the the argument for Texas. I understand they have the head-to-head against Bama. And that's why my, what I said they should do and what they ended up doing was what I figured was going to happen because they had Bama and Texas tied to each other. Bama and mm-hmm. Texas were never like, – they were stuck with each other in an arranged marriage almost no matter what happened this weekend. It, it was They were all going to be dependent on what each other did. And so I understand why they did it that way. And I understand, like you're leaving out, a, you'd be leaving out two conference champions, and so it was easier to just say, okay, well, we got to leave out Georgia because they didn't win the one game they needed to win to get in. But if you're going best four, I think Georgia and Bama should have been in truly. Yeah, I mean, I, I disagree. I don't think this is a year that the SEC deserved two teams in the the college football playoff. I thought it was. That was Alabama and Georgia and then a bunch of other teams. So I think those two teams beat up on a lot of crappy football teams. So um I listen, I it's 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 12 and 1 versus 12 and 1 versus 12 and 1. I think Georgia and Alabama being in was a good thing. I with Quinn Ewers playing, I don't think the fall is that much. If Quinn Ewers had not been healthy, I probably would agree with you. Right? I would use the the Florida State of this. Yeah. But I think I think once you get into it, Texas does have an ass load of talent. And now the question becomes, you know, would they have been a better matchup against Michigan? Would they have been a better, better matchup against Washington? 
I, I think if we could find a weak team, we probably would say Texas, but let's be honest. The only reason we're thinking Georgia should be in, probably not the only reason. One of the biggest reasons is they won the national title last year. And I think I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. Ohio State's been gifted things because, well, but they were just in the playoffs last year. Like I, I think they got it right. I think they got the four teams, and I think they I think they walked the best balance of we got to get the four best teams and we got to get the four teams yeah. that are most deserving. And I think this whole thing with Florida State is all crocodile tears. And it's funny how like Booger McFarland know, acting like he was so outraged by the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I thought it, he just doesn't have a take. The take is, well, it's not fair. Guys, let's cut the shit. It's not meant to be fair. The whole thing, if it was fair, the group of five team that goes undefeated would be left in. But the reality is the only reason that Florida State's candidacy looks anywhere near any of these other teams is because they ended up winning the ACC title. So that enhances their strength of record. But that, like, I got to be honest with you guys, head-to-head and conference titles matter until they don't. And I'll be honest with you, even if Jordan Travis was healthy, I don't think Florida State is on the level of the five teams around them. I don't even think Florida State's on the level of Ohio State or Oregon, a one-loss and a two-loss team. So I think they happen to just beat up on a crappy conference in football this year. And so all due respect to Florida State, like like Mike Norvell after the game, oh, it's a travesty. This is disrespectful. Grow the hell up. Like, guys, I yeah. get it, man. Like, in a perfect world, Florida State would be in and they'd have a chance to prove themselves. The perfect world is next year. Yeah. So the idea well, of – guys, it's college football playoffs. It's We're not sending these kids off to war, okay? The first four teams don't get passes or deferences, and everybody else has got to go serve in the Army. So they're, they all the, – yep, they played hard. They played their butt off. They did everything they could. And in the end, everything they could wasn't enough. That's called being an adult. That's called living in the real world. And the idea that the college football playoff selection committee has to come out and, well, hey, we don't want to hurt any feelings. We just want to be fair. That's not their job. Their job is not to get it fair. Their job is to get it as right as they possibly can. And I think as much as they could, I think that actually happened this year. Real quick, because you brought up Mike Norvell, I wanted to say I thought Steve Sarkeesian. I, I really like Steve Sarkeesian. I know he's had some tor- turmoil in his career as a as a coach and some different things that haven't worked out for him. Um, but he he, I I really like him. And I thought after the game, he made a comment about like, "Hey man," he basically said what you just said. He was like, "I think we put enough out there to show that we deserve it." But listen, like it's in their hands, and we'll you know we'll respect whatever decision is made. Now that you could argue that was just like him saying the right thing in the moment. He was in a good mood because his team just won a big game and all these different things. But at the same time, like I, I hope that that's the mentality that other coaches would have. And I get where Mike, Mike Norvell, listen, ultimately Mike Norvell has, has an argument to be upset. Like it's, it's as much as we can say they didn't deserve to be in. If you're a Florida state fan, if you're on that team, you feel bad for the kids, Mike Norvell, like, they have they, they they're allowed to be outraged and be mad. They're the they're like the main people who are allowed to be outraged and mad because they did everything they should, they could have done to try to get in and they were left out. So I I get well, that. I'm not going to well, knock them for it. But at the quick, same time, they are quick. the team that shouldn't be in. Go can ahead. I, I got something. Can else. I tell you about this? Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. Because no, 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 I just I feel really passionate about this. How we accept defeat and how we accept um how we accept things like this absolutely matter. 
You know what I mean? Like I, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to correlate to parenting. I'm at the stage where I got 13 year old and, and two nine year olds at home. And I'm constantly trying to work with them on perspective when things don't go your way, because like, what kind of message are you sending? And like, I, I empathize with Mike Norvell's outrage. I do. But like, there is something to be said about being gracious about this and about being able to say, Hey man, we thought we had what it took to be in. The selection committee disagreed. I want to thank them for considering us. I want to wish the four teams going to the playoffs the, the, the best luck. And we're going to focus on ourselves because every dude in that portal saw, hey, when you don't get it your way, throw a big pissy fit because that's what how it works in college football. And I just think like there's not enough people willing to be gracious in defeat. And it sucks. All right. I, I have had enough crap kicked up into my face that I've eaten enough poop sandwiches in my life that I can tell you nobody likes the way they taste, but how you handle it matters. Florida state is not a victim here. There is no victim. It's a made up thing. And the idea is guys, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, Florida state wouldn't have even been in the conversation for the national title game. And now you were on the cusp. And did you get a bad break? And that's ultimately, listen, Florida State's 13-0 and with Jordan Travis. They're in, and maybe Bama or Texas is out. 100% fair. Yeah. It's not what happened. So, yeah. like, I'm I, sorry. Like, I, I'm not it, telling you to eat a poop sandwich and like it, but I am saying <laughs> this is a teachable moment, man. Yeah. Like, these things happen in real life, and you can either piss and moan, you can bitch and moan, you can stomp your feet around, or you can teach your guys – Hey guys, this is the cost of doing business. And next year we'd be in and we just have to be okay with that. Yeah, I think, um, well, two things here, because I have a larger point I want to get to that involves the, the Florida State conversation, but I, I can't push back on anything you said from the parenting standpoint, because obviously with a young child myself, like I go through the same thing. And it's, it's the exact same thing, Nick, that I say when people act outrage over like, I don't, I don't want to get like too, too political here necessarily, but like when certain decisions are made, or in, in government or an election result or something like that. And it's like, guys, like, you know, here's a better example. In sports, when athletes do things that are, like, bad, like, they get, like, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation, for example. Like, oh, how do I explain to my kid that uh, that they have this quarter? You just, you just talk to him. Like, yep. you talk to him like a human and you explain to them, like, what this guy did wasn't a good thing. And, and you shouldn't, like, you shouldn't condone this. And it's not, and if you're somebody who swears off the Browns because of that, and there's certainly people in the fan base who have done that, then I understand that. Like, I respect you for that. Like, that's that's your choice. Like, I I I can't blame you. But like, you just it's it's about having conversations. And sometimes I think parents, to your point, are too easy or too quick to just let other people raise their kids. They they want like their idols and their icons and the the leaders in politics and sports and all these other platforms to be the ones who raise their kids. And it's like, no, that, that's on you. And so to take that analogy to what you're saying with these kids and these, these, these college athletes at this level who they did everything they could and they missed out. Like you're right. You just, it's a teachable moment. You got to kind of say like, sometimes this is how life goes and you keep it moving. And this is my larger point on this. I think that as college football fans, and I'm not saying you and me, but I think college football fans are guilty of contradicting themselves and talking out of both sides of their mouths because for every every time that we sit there and we say well we love a 14 playoff or we love the bcs days because 
every game of the regular season was just that much more meaningful and it was so much more ramped up and there was so much more meaning behind it when a team takes a loss in the regular, all these different things. But then look what happened yesterday, Nick. Look what happened yesterday. It was outrage central on social media and watching ESPN live at, at your house with your family. Like people were pissed off because well, this team should have got in, and that team should have got in, and the committee got it wrong, and this is the most disrespectful uh, version of this thing that we've ever done, and how how dare they not pick the best four teams or the most deserving four teams, and oh my goodness, let's burn down the entire structure and start all over and rebuild college football from clay. Like, what do we – this is why – it's going to 12. And so all the people bitching and moaning about, oh, well, this is going to ruin college football. Well, guess what? You were the same people who were sitting there yesterday acting like somebody had just knocked you over, pissed on you, and then, I don't know, tried to cut your arm off while you're on the ground. And <laughs> I didn't really know where I, I, I was going somewhere. And then it just you had two it, things. It fell, so it was the third flat. thing. I needed the third thing and it fell flat. But like, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Like you, you act like somebody just pushed you over, kicked you and then pissed on you and then walked away. And you're so outraged by the idea that this team got left out or that team got left out. Well, guess what? Next year, it's going to be completely more – it's going to be fair because all the teams that deserve to get in are going to get in. Maybe some that don't deserve to get in will get in, but that should flush itself out in a, in a 12-team playoff. That includes the better teams in it that will probably beat those teams. So I think that – and, and here's the other thing. All these people talking about, well, what precedent does this set? Who gives a fuck about precedent? When the, when, the, when the system is changing next year, all the precedents that they set in the past years – None of that even matters anymore. Like, none of that mattered for this year. None of that matters for next year. It truly is starting from a clean slate of precedents when you have a 12-team playoff a year a year ahead. So I, I'm not buying into any of that. I think that we do this to ourselves. We, we, we can't, on one, on one hand, say that we're, we're, we love college football because every game matters, and then on the other hand say, well, they don't ever get it right, so what the hell are we doing here? It doesn't add up to me. So I, I think this is probably the best year for it to end on at being a four-team system because now we know none of this debate will really get in our way moving forward into a 12-team playoff. I just think there's a lot of outrage in it. You could almost plan it to a T. Not there, honestly, guys, if Florida State had been in and Alabama was out, there would have been outrage. If Florida State had been in and Texas had been out, right, there would have been outrage. If Washington was ahead of Michigan, there would have been – like. There, that's just the reality of the the machine. The whole point of it is to generate interest, and people can't just go, "Oh yeah, they did the right thing," or they got it as right as they possibly could have. Yeah. Like this year, guys, there were seven teams, and yes, I include Ohio State in that. There were seven teams that were really friggin' good. Honestly, I throw Oregon in there. There were eight teams. This would have been a hell of a year for a college football playoff with twelve teams. They didn't have it. And so this idea, this I just get really, really, I just it just feels gross that people are taking what's happened and blow it up into something ridiculous. So we're going to continue on. What do you think they got right? What do you think they got wrong in the playoffs there, guys? But I want to ask a question, and I think it's a fair question. Could there be another reason Kyle McCord entered the portal? That's next. Sons of the Shoe with Nick and Spencer.
Final segment of today's Sons of the Shoe. And I wanted to start, before we get to the Michigan panic meter, before we talk about old Mizzou in the bowl game, I I do wonder. Like, I, I think Kyle McCord is as gone as gone can get, but I do wonder this or, which is, is there a chance? Uh, so I'll get to a first question, and then there will be the or, because we're going to make this as convoluted as possible. Is there a chance that Kyle McCord is doing this in a way to protect himself and that he could be looking for either a raise from Ohio State or just some love after the way the regular season went and all the criticism that he had? Um, no, I, I, th- I think this is him like reading the tea leaves and, and he knows – it's probably like they're probably going to move on. I also thought it was interesting because Ryan Day, he was asked flat out yesterday, is Kyle mm-hmm. McCord going to be your starting quarterback next season? And and it's the classic when a coach doesn't give an answer, you know the answer to the question, right? Like he mm-hmm. normally these coaches go out of their way to defend their players and talk them up, even if they know like yeah, it's not the best player on our team or something like that. They they'll find something good to say. Oh, they had a really good moment in that. That one game where they sacked the quarterback and they, you know got us in good in a, a quick three and out and then a nice setup nicely fun off like they'll find something they'll always find something to compliment a player but in that instance it was hey is Kyle McCord your quarterback next year and he was like yeah I think it's too early to get into all those things okay so the answer is no like I I think it was just Kyle maybe preparing I also again I don't know how quickly these conversations happened it sounded like they were going to start having some of them yesterday. But if, if, if I don't know how much it's Kyle McCord reading tea leaves or if it really was like Ohio State kind of signaling to him like, hey, we're probably going to move in a different direction after the bowl game. You're more than welcome to stay till then and quarterback this team that you quarterbacked all season and see this thing through. But it's up to you. And then he because like you don't know, sometimes it's like a that's the thing that gets lost in the transfer portal, too. It's not always just the kid deciding, hey, I got to move on. Sometimes it's the team signaling to you. Yeah, I think uh, our, we we've. Uh, we our, our relationship isn't isn't um, salvageable. So real quick, like it, you think it's a hundred percent certain he won't be back next year? Yeah, I do. I don't think he's right. I think it's like ninety five percent certain. And and the five percent is the wiggle room. I leave any time a quarterback hits the portal, unless it's just definitive. Go bleep yourself, like Dante Moore. Close the door for himself with UCLA by saying, <laughs> I want to go somewhere where they'll develop quarterbacks, right? But like <laughs> Dylan Gabriel, I think d- there's a decent yeah. chance Dylan Gabriel's back. So, you, in Oklahoma so let me, year. let me ask this. So you think it's a, he might sort of survey the land, see if he can get a pay raise, whatever. Someone's going to pay up. And then if it's not there, he might just come back to Ohio state. Even if that means he's not the starter next year. So I think the most likely thing is that either the Buckeye signaled to Kyle or Kyle just inferred they're going to go look for other quarterbacks and I should probably go do what's best for me. I think that's like 85% likely. I also think like this is kind of a, when two people break up because they're just kind of bored with each other or they're at an impasse and then they go into the free agent market, they go to be single and then they realize being single really sucks. And that while there are some people who thrive in that environment, maybe we're not. And I wouldn't be surprised if let's say you get three weeks down the road and 
Kyle McCord has some offers, but maybe they're not tantalizing. And let's say Ohio State struck out on Cam Ward. And let's say they struck out on Dante Moore. And let's say Dylan Gabriel stays at Oklahoma. And now all of a sudden, the picking's getting pretty slim. I could see a scenario where maybe Ryan Day says, well, maybe I kind of blame the Michigan. Maybe I'm kind of using this kid as a scapegoat. And, and Kyle McCord goes, well, maybe I was just had hurt feelings, right? So maybe there's a scenario where both sides look at this, realize the grass isn't greener, and come back together. Again, I think it's like 5% chance that that happens. I think Ohio State's going to go hit a home run in the QB market. And I actually think Kyle McCord might do better on the open market, given the way some analysts have talked about him, than we expect. Like, Pitt might not be the eventuality. It might be another blue blood program. But I think there's a chance that depending on how the market evolves around both entities, they could say, you know what, let's get back together for the sake of the kids for one more year, and let's see if we can kind of grow this where it needs to go. I don't, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate that I think Ohio State fans slamming the door shut on Kyle McCord, and I think Ohio State wants that optic because then they can blame the kid for the, the Michigan loss. In fairness, he had two turnovers. That's why you lost the game. But, like, I, I kind of look at this, and I can see if Kyle McCord's just a little hurt after some of the criticism. I guarantee you guys, we have no idea the level of discord, <laughs> the level of crap that kid took in Columbus for literally losing one game. And so it would not surprise me if Kyle McCord, if they didn't tell him or if he didn't into it that they were they were going to move on from him, if this is just I'm a little upset and I'm just trying to, you know, I'm going to go do what's right for me, it wouldn't surprise me if part of his thinking is, well, maybe, and honestly, I think this is what's going on with Dylan Gabriel, maybe I can get a little raise, maybe I can get a little love, feel loved and come back and all of a sudden I won't be the disappointment. Yeah. I, it would just fe seem very, um, which I, listen, there's plenty of people who are, are aren't self-aware, but it wouldn't be very self-aware McCord to think that like, given how the season went. And I guess, I don't know, maybe he does think the season went really well, but you lose to Michigan and everything that he probably sees on social media and everything. Like, I, I don't know. You know what? It's not that it's not as far fetched as maybe I thought when you think about the, the the conversations around him transferring that we talked about, where like the national perspective is, well, this guy threw for three thousand yards and twenty four touchdowns. How could they possibly move on from him? So maybe he's taking that and saying somebody will pay me. Um, but I don't know. I I don't. I will say too. You don't usually hear about a lot of players leaving Ohio State on like bad terms. I'm sure it happens. I mean, you had like the Kayvon, the Kayvon Pope thing a couple of years ago against after during the Akron game, he just up and quit and then was tweeting through it afterwards, like during the game. Um, so yeah, like that it happens, but I, I don't know that they're leaving on like terrible terms. I think it's just more so Ooh. like a mutual. We got. So I would say real quick to that, I would just say I don't know. Like, I don't know how you get through the. It was a tumultuous season for a team that went eleven and one. And Ryan Day seemed to be on nerve a lot of the time. Um, Kyle McCord seemed like a kid. Like, and again, I'm not. It doesn't have to be War of the Roses here. But the idea that Kyle McCord's like, as he he sent out a, a a release saying thank you to everybody and went through and all that, and that's great. That's a classy thing to do. But the idea that behind the scenes he isn't like, man, f Ryan Day. Or F the situation, or, or F Buckeye fans who were psychopaths to him this year. Yeah, I think I like. I think sometimes we just assume it's a good parting because nobody comes out and blasts the other person. I would bet there's some hard feelings on both sides of the aisle on this one. 
I mean, I think anytime two people are sort of splitting or two sides are splitting, there probably is a little bit of that. Um, but there are ways to end things amicably. And I don't know. I, I don't know that it was tumultuous in that, like, Ryan Day was ever throwing. Like, Ryan Day never threw Kyle McCord under the bus. Like, and, until yesterday where he was asked if he'll be his starting quarterback. He never actually came out and said, like, yeah, this guy, like, you know, we're just limited in what we can do at quarterback. Like, he never said anything like that. Marvin Harrison Jr. very much had his back. And when the number one receiver in the country has your back, I think that sort of speaks volumes as well. So I don't know that it was ever, you know, so tumultuous that they there was like a bad blood sort of building up to this point. I think it more it might just be like a reading tea leaves thing. And heck, I don't know. These kids are more – I keep calling them kids, but really like these are grown-ass adults. Like let's be honest with, you, or with ourselves here. Um, they see more than ever the stuff going on in social media. Like there's no way he could get around seeing the criticisms all season. I don't know. Maybe he watched an episode of our podcast where we were calling him Honda McCord and he felt very upset and was like, you know what, I'm going to leave after this season if they're going to treat me like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I just think it's probably, it's probably best that they both part ways, and I think that's probably what's unfolding. All right, with that, let's get to the Michigan panic meter. And I think now that we have some time removed from uh, the Michigan loss, I think we're both ready to to make some movement here. And I have downgraded my Michigan panic from a scarlet to a light scarlet. And the reason being, Kyle McCord's in the transfer portal. It looks <laughs> like Ohio State is is pretty serious about going out on the quarterback market. There are a lot of reports about uh, how – uh, how big of a player they're supposed to be. And I'll, I'll, the second they get either Dante Moore or Cam Ward, if those are the two guys that they're between, they could be more names in there. The second they get one of those two guys, guys, I'm going all the way to gray. Because no offense to Kyle McCord, good kid. I really do hope he lands somewhere, makes some money out of this. But like either one of those quarterbacks were your quarterback this year, and I think you beat Michigan. I think it's that simple. Yeah, I think the idea that we're removed from the Michigan game now, the playoff is set, and we have to kind of come to terms with the fact that Ohio State's out. And for us, it's all about like, all right, well, we're on the next year. And when you look ahead the next year, you realize Michigan's going to be sort of stripped down to the studs with a lot of that the way their roster gets turned over. Jim Harbaugh might be gone. I, I'm not sweating the Michigan matchup next year. And you bring up Kyle McCord, him, him transferring now, and how that opens the door for a better quarterback to come in. Like, I think this signals that Ryan Day and Ohio State are, they are pushing all the chips to the center of the table to go all in on beating Michigan next year and just putting together a juggernaut of a team. Generally, they are a juggernaut of a team anyway, but they're not going to let it. They're, they're like, they're, they're, they're realizing the slip from the last three years and they're like, yeah, we're, we're going for it next year, big time. So I'm actually going even a step further back than you. And I will say, I would have probably stayed just in light scarlet with you. If not for one thing from yesterday, which which pushed me into the white, because guys, that video of Michigan finding out that they were playing Bam in the first round was priceless because they told they told on themselves, Nick. They even knew this. I'm in the white because they even knew that they are not that good of a team to beat Bama in the first round of the playoff, and that they played cupcakes all year. They beat Ohio State because they were just good enough, and Ohio State didn't have the right quarterback this year. And they know going into that game that their odds are against them to win. And they were hoping that Florida State was going to show up in that spot so desperately. So they had an easy path to the championship game. And now they got to go through freaking Nick Saban with a month to prepare. That video 
was absolutely hilarious. And by the way, um, how bad do you think Ward Manuel being on the committee was like, oh, no, guys, like, it's totally unfair. We, we, we can't do this to FSU. FSU did everything they could. They, they got to be the, the forcing. You know he was pounding the table for FSU in that meeting. You know he was the ringleader of FSU should be in. I would say that the Michigan panic to beating Alabama absolutely was a miracle salve for Ohio State fans. And it's funny, <laughs> like, I don't think you'd see – I don't think you'd see anybody else react like that. Like meaning like Ohio state. I don't think they'd react like that. No. If they got, no. if they got Alabama, like they would kind of like clap their hands and be like, all right, let's go. We got a lot of work to do, oh. but uh, oh man, they told on Good themselves. They're, they they're really did. It was funny too. Cause they, they the, their first reaction was like, Oh, and then like, they kind of faked like, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like they kind of like picked up the clapping afterwards. Like, Oh yeah, no, we're, we're happy. No, you're not. You know, you're going to lose. You know that on the other side of that game, Jim Harbaugh, January 2nd, mark your calendars for January 2nd. It's going to be the day that you see Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero and all these big wig NFL insiders tweeting, Jim Harbaugh linked to the Los Angeles Chargers after the season ends on Sunday. Jim Harbaugh linked to the Chicago Bears after the season ends on Sunday. Just, Just put it in your calendar. It's going to be the day. I am ready for that day, and I'm ready for Sharon Moore to get his ass whooped next year in Columbus <laughs> when the Buckeyes and Wolverines Well, unless, play. The, unless Ohio State hires him. That, I know That's that was true. your thing from last year, last week. And here's the thing. I got totally railroaded by a Kevin Stefanski press conference. <laughs> I had the perfect way for Ohio State to troll Michigan by hiring Sharon Moore, making him the coach in waiting, and I just didn't have the landing strip to pull it off. Hey. And it it ended up being a great failure of my career because I didn't have time to explain the take and because I was dealing with a couple of losers who couldn't understand my <laughs> well, big hey, brain on the, philosophy. Uh, on the pregame show yesterday, I said that J.J. McCarthy's overrated and then uh, and then used the TCU game in the playoff last year in his example. And then J.P. looked it up. I was like, dude, he actually played really well in that game. And I was like, okay, well, I haven't vetted this take fully yet, okay? I just kind of put it out there. <laughs> hey, that's this so, isn't on me, okay? I can't control takes as they fly out of my head but, All right. but real, so, quick, real quick real quick real, 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 real. your take on Sharon Moore imagine Ohio State plucking Sharon Moore and then they also get Dante Moore and they get Dante Moore oh my yeah. god how yeah, would Michigan field fans feel about that one? And more, more, more. How about that, Ann Arbor? Um, all right, guys. Now, you and I, we're going to do a little bit of the conversation about Missouri. We, we kind of ran out of time here. Yeah. So we're going to hold off on the Missouri Bowl game until later in this week. We also have an end of the regular season primer that we're going to throw out there. It's basically a list of superlatives that you guys can – uh, go ahead and we'll, I think we'll probably release it about Wednesday at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. And it's just kind of a, of, a, of a review for the 2023 Buckeyes regular season. So we'll have that. Make sure to rate, follow, subscribe, all that goodness. Spencer, it was delightful as always, buddy. Good stuff. Always a pleasure, Nick. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff to be fake outraged by, but uh, we're officially in bull season. So it should be a fun month ahead. Be good. Go Bucks.